We are uh, continuing on in this series called Who Do You Think You Are? And um, we started this right before Christmas, and then we took a break for the Christmas series, and then we're jumping back into it after uh, the Rhythm series. And um, when we first got into this, it was around 15, 16 or so weeks, and we've only got a few weeks left, and uh, we've, you know, we'll be towards the end of this uh, powerful series. And so I pray that you really leaned into it. I pray that you... Um, are really grabbing a hold of the truths of what we're talking about, the truths that are laid out in Ephesians where Paul says, this is who we are in Christ. We started off this series by talking about how a lot of times our, our, our jobs, what we do, sometimes we think that's um, who we are. And, and that's the furthest from the truth when it comes to us as, um, as Christians, as Christ followers. Um, a lot of times in our society, in our culture, when we talk, we, someone will ask us who we are and we start sharing and we share with what we do. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a fireman, I'm a policeman, I'm a, uh, a CPA, I'm this, I'm that. And a lot of times that's what we, it's kind of our, our identifier. That's who I am. And it's like that's the furthest thing from the truth when it comes to uh, a Christ follower because who we are is we are in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. I've been adopted in. I've been grafted in. I am, I am in Christ. And it's very critical. We may say, well, that, you're just talking about semantics. I'm definitely not talking about semantics. <laughs> I think that's what part of the deception is. We look at it and we say, you know, we, we don't understand the gravity and the weight of this concept that says, I am in Christ and how that affects everything. As we have been talking in this series, what we've already talked about is we've talked about how we are saints. I am a saint. I'm, you know, and I've said this before and I've shared this with you before and there is truth behind this, but I really get kind of wiggy lately anymore when we talk about, we'll say stuff like, well, I am a sinner saved in grace. I am a sinner. Okay, we understand that there's, there is some truth to that, but there is a huge difference between I'm a sinner and I am a saint. I've been saved. I've been reconciled. I've been blessed. I've appreciated. I am uh, afflicted. I am gifted. We spent a couple of weeks and I am gifted. And we talked about in that whole gifted thing where we said just because uh, we have this gift or this ministry, that is what it is. It's a ministry. It's a gift. It's not our identity. Well, I am a prophet. Well, I am a teacher. Well, I am an uh, evangelist. Well, I speak in tongues. Well, I prophesy or whatever it is. Those those are gifts. Those are ministries. That's not your identity. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. That's who I am. I can't say it more clearly. I can't spend enough time talking about it because I'm telling you at that core, at this very core level is where Satan comes in and starts deceiving. If we don't fully embrace and understand these truths, this is where we get derailed. This is where we take one little step off and the next thing you know we're over here when we should be straight ahead. We are in Christ if you're a child of God. If you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted His free gift of grace and salvation, you've been changed You've been, you know, and all the things we've talked about, and we're going to talk about a few more things here in the next couple of weeks, but today we're going to talk about being heard. I am heard. I am heard because I am in Jesus Christ. Now, you know, in our world today, let's be honest, let's be honest here, in our world today, everybody's got an opinion, right? We all have an opinion. 
Every single one of us sitting in here this morning has an opinion. Some of us are a little bit more laid back with our opinions. Some of us are a little bit more assertive with our opinions. Some of us feel really devalued when our opinion is not taken as gospel, right? Some of us really, our identity rests in our opinion. And we'll say things like, you're not listening to me. Yes, we're listening to you. We don't agree with you, right? But to you, for some that really find their identity and self-worth in their opinion, it's a huge devalue if someone, if you share your opinion with someone and they don't take a hold of it and run with it. You're like, wow, you're not listening to me. Yes, we're listening to you. We can't keep from listening to you, right? And so what happens is, when we get into this concept of being heard, sometimes this can splash, this whole concept of being heard gets a little twisted and out of, out of, out of um, sequence or whatever when it comes to our spirituality. Because it can affect the way we actually pray. When we look at the life of Paul, especially in Ephesians, there is, when I read that prayer to you, I don't know if you noticed, and, and I share that with you, but, but one of the things that really strikes me, CJ and I were talking about this week as we were putting this message together about prayer. It's like, you know, how many times have we taught about prayer? This is what prayer looks like. You need to do this type of prayer, you know, and our prayers should be boom, 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 and, and things like that. And I'm like, I really don't want to talk about prayer in that fashion. Uh, you know, I think we all know, I shouldn't say we all know how to pray. I would assume, I, I would probably make a general statement that says many of us know how to pray. I think the problem is, if we don't understand who we are in Christ, our prayers become tainted. They become something that, that, that is, is really off point. And when we look at the life of Paul, we see someone who his prayers could have been everything but for other people. I mean, we read in Ephesians and we read through some of these other, uh, you know, these other, uh, what we would call the prison epistles, these other letters written to the church. Paul writes them from being in prison. And, and we look at him and we're saying this guy had this other centeredness to him. He lays out these prayers that, for, that are for other people. I mean, today we just read that where he says, I get down on my knees and I thank God for you. I get down before this magnificent Father and I just pray that you would grab a hold of how deep and how wide and how, you know, broad and all these, th- you know, as he goes in about the love of Christ. I mean, he just pours himself out for other believers in Jesus Christ. I think his, when, when when we answer this question, I am for Paul, when, we, when he says, I am, I think he could have been saying, you know, I've seen some things. You know, I think he could, his prayers could have looked vastly different on a human level. I think his prayers could have looked vastly about himself because of what he, I mean, he could say, you know what, I've seen things that none of you have ever seen. Remember that whole story where he says, I was ushered up into the, the different level, uh, uh, I was ushered up into the spirit world, and he said, I saw things that I can't even express, words can't express. And I don't know if that means, you know, if, if he didn't have permission to, to share some of the things he saw from God, where Jesus said, you're not going to share these things. Or maybe it was, what was, he didn't even have the words to articulate what he saw. That he was just so overwhelmed that he saw you know, these things in heaven and he couldn't even come back to, to express the stuff that he saw in heaven was just beyond his human capabilities. 
I don't know what it was, but he could have had this very arrogant attitude to say, well, I've seen these things. I've done this. I've done that. You know, and, 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 and kind of have this arrogant attitude like, why shouldn't my prayers be heard? God, you'll, you know, I'm sure you're going to listen to my prayers because of this. Or his prayers could have been deeply uh, resonating about himself, more of a selfish, narcissistic prayer. If you look at the life of Paul, after he started following Jesus, he was shipwrecked multiple times. He was bitten by, I think it's in, in Corinthians, I believe he lays this out. He, um, he was shipwrecked multiple times. He was bitten by snakes. He was left for dead. He was uh, stoned. Uh, people throwing rocks at him, trying to kill him, literally trying to take his life. He went without food. He went without all these... I mean, he, he just lists all these things that happened to him. And you look at that and you're like, wow, this is a follower of Jesus and God let this happen to I mean, it would be easy to look at it like that. And it would be easy for this man to look at it and say, God, why is all this happening to me? His prayers could have been so centered upon himself saying, why are you letting this stuff happen to me? I mean, I, I'm here, I'm pouring out my life for you, I'm, I, I want to live my life so desperately for you, and you're letting all this stuff take place in and through me. I mean, his prayers could have been very much about himself. In fact, he did pray that way once, or maybe three times, because he prayed three times about what he called the thorn in his flesh, and he asked Jesus to take it away from him. And Jesus said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It's in your weakness that I'm, I, I, I get the most glory. And so that was the end of that prayer, he accepted it. And his prayers are so, you know, throughout Ephesians, uh, in just this letter that we're looking at in Ephesians, he, he understood his position in Christ. And because he understood his position in Christ, his prayers were vastly different. I mean, his prayers just took on all types of different, uh, uh, this whole new shape or form for other individuals. Just this, this otherness, this other-centeredness that he had for other individuals to know Jesus. I think part of that is because he understood his identity in Christ. I think the other part of that is because he knew that he was in rhythm. I am in rhythm. We just talked about this. I am in rhythm. I think Paul understood exactly what that meant because um, of, of just the nature of his prayers. And as we talked about this, I am in rhythm, um, in Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5, in the NASB translation, listen to what these words say. The psalmist of David, the psalmist, his word says this Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. I've struggled with this passage over many years. And in the Gospels, it's mentioned again. Trust in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And as I look at my heart at times, I'm thinking, wow, how in the world could God give me my heart? Because there's times where my heart definitely doesn't desire the things of God. They desire the things of Gale. Selfish things. And when you really stop and think about this, this verse just communicates that whole concept of being in rhythm. And when you really stop and think about this verse, it really begins, if this verse is embodied, if we're in rhythm with God, where we're saying, you know what, this isn't about talk, this is about doing, this is about action. This isn't about, well, I know that I need to spend time in the Word. I know that I need to be in prayer. I know that I need to fast. I know that I need to tithe. I know that if I do these spiritual disciplines, it will help me, you know, it, it would give me an opportunity to grow closer to God and to experience the intimacy of God through fellowship with Him more so. It's not just saying, I know, I know, I know, but I don't do, I don't do. But it's actually doing them. 
And as we embrace this and we become in rhythm, that's what literally transforms our prayers. Look at this verse. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Dwell. We don't do a good job as Americans dwelling. We bring in this American philosophy into our spiritual world, into our spiritual lives, where it says we're all about doing. We've got to do. We've got to do. We've got to go, 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 go. We've got things to accomplish. And we kind of ignore these passages of Scripture that says stop and dwell. Be quiet. Be silent and know that I am God. We don't like that for some reason. I don't know if it's because we have this American work ethic where we always have to be going, or maybe it has more to do with when I spend time with God, it gets a little intimidating. When I sit down and I close my mouth and I shut off my brain and I open myself up to God and I allow His Spirit to come in and start communicating to me, sometimes He communicates things to me that I really don't want to hear. And I think for, for some of us, that's threatening. And that's very exposing. That's very vulnerable for us. We're good at talking and doing. Here's the part that we're missing out on, and we've said it before. God really doesn't care so much about the doing more than the being. It's who we're becoming. Are we becoming more like Jesus? This verse seems to indicate to dwell, to stop, to spend time, to dwell in the land and cultivate that faithfulness. To delight ourselves in the Lord. To delight ourselves. What does it mean to delight? It's very interesting in the Hebrew, that word delight means dainty, And it means soft. It means to become soft and surrender ourselves to God. To open ourselves up and to become vulnerable. To let go. To lose the harshness. To lose the control. And to open ourselves up and delight in God. To become soft in Him. To become dainty in Him. And that He will give us the desires of our hearts and commit your way to the Lord. Man, there's a word that we don't like. Commit. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I have that it's like, do we know what the word commit means anymore? Where that's the foundation of everything where we commit. We commit to something. We commit to this relationship. We commit to this relationship with God. We have a steadfastness. We say, this is, what, this is who I am and this is what I'm about and this is what I'm committing to. And I'm going to work at this. I'm going to commit to it. Commit our ways to the Lord trust also in Him. Which means, let's face it guys, there's times where we may not know that our expectations and our path, our desires may not be His. It, and when we look at the thing and where God's saying, I want to take you in this direction, and you look at it and you have that word come out of your mouth is, huh? You want me to go in this direction? I don't like that. That's scary. Because I don't know. I don't, I don't know the outcome over here. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't look right. And that's where the trust comes in, where we say, God, I'm going to trust You. I'm going to trust Your leadership. I'm going to commit to Your leadership. I'm going to delight in You. I'm going to dwell in You. I'm going to get in rhythm with You. I'm going to stay in rhythm with You. And what happens, guys, when we get to that point, God begins to pour Himself into us. He begins to pour... When we begin to surrender and dwell and commit and to trust and to delight... God pours Himself into us. So when He gives us the desires of our hearts, He's actually giving back to Himself the things that He desires. Does that make sense? 
There is no way that can happen if you can't rid yourself. We're going to sing a song. We're going to close here in a few minutes with that song about ridding of ourselves. If you don't rid of yourself and allow God to fill in, you're trying to give back the things that, that, that's not really His desires. And so what happens is this verse and the verse in the Gospels becomes very true and alive because when God gives us the desires of our hearts, He's given back to Him that which is already His because He's filled Himself with us. Does that make sense? How does our prayers take shape then? My prayers begin to take shape vastly different because I'm beginning to pray. I'm beginning to communicate with God the things that He wants. I'm not sitting down just rattling off the things that I want, but I'm talking about the things that He wants. Paul could have said, God, deliver me from prison. God, why are you allowing these horrible things to take place in my life? God, why would you allow me to get shipwrecked? Why would you allow me to be left for dead? Why would you allow me to be flogged and whipped when I'm committing my life to you? Why do you let all these bad things, these horrible things happen to me? Why do you let stuff happen to me? Yet, we read his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14-19 through that says this, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, and I ask Him to strengthen who? You. Others. I'm in prison. These things are happening to me. These things have happened to me. And it's not made me weaker, but it's made me stronger. And because of all these things, I'm getting on my knees. I'm thanking this magnificent Father to strengthen you by His Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in and ask Him that with, ask Him that with both feet planted firmly in love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test to its length. Plumb the delights. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. Is, that, does that, is it me? Or does that prayer look vastly different than a selfish prayer? This guy is pouring out his life. Throughout his writings, we read how he just continues to pour out his life. He talks about being a drink offering. This, this, just pouring out his, his life as a sacrifice to Jesus. And his life was... Guys, I can't think of someone else that I would want praying for me than Paul. Or one of you that has embraced this type of, this type of spirituality with Jesus where you're so committed to it, where you're taking such delight in Him, where you understand who you are in Christ, and because you understand who you are in Christ, your prayers literally flow from that reservoir of Jesus Christ, and you're offering up prayers like this for people, where you're praying for people to understand the fullness, the depth, the the breadth of God's love, that you would be captivated by Jesus' love. What a powerful prayer. Talk about praying. Man, and it's because he understood who he was in Christ. Because I'm in Christ. Now get this next one. Because I'm in Christ, because I understand who I am in Christ, because I'm a saint, because I've been reconciled, because I've been blessed, because I've been filled full of grace, because I've been adopted in, because I've been gifted, because of all of these things. Listen to the next prayer he says. He says, now we can what? We can come fearlessly right into God's presence. Because I am a child of God, because 
I've been saved, because I've been radically reconciled back to the Father, because of these things, I can now, we can all come in, what? Fearlessly, as the Living Bible says it, fearlessly right into God's presence. Do I have to say that is incredible access? That is a truth that is just... Can you grab a hold of that truth that you can go directly because of who you are in Jesus Christ, that you can go directly into the presence of God, fearlessly into the presence of God, assured of His glad welcome when we come with Christ and we trust Him. It's all because of the cross. It's all because of the death, the resurrection, Pentecost. Through the power of His Holy Spirit, through Christ's blood, we gain this incredible access into the Father, communicating with God. That's prayer. That's being heard. Going into the presence of God. If you were granted that opportunity, which you are granted, but if it really grabbed, if it just, if there was a moment where God peeled everything back and He said, come on in for a second. And literally, you could go in, I mean, in a, I'm saying where you can see it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we can go in His presence now. But I'm talking about like where you can literally walk through a door and you're literally standing where you can see, touch, feel, all this stuff. The presence of God. What would you communicate with Him about? What would you say? What's some of the things that you would talk to Him about? I get amused at funerals, not amused in a sarcastic way but just where we talk about well when I die one of the first things I want to do when I go to heaven is I want to ask God about this and I'm thinking what you're going to ask God when I well, the first things I do when I go to heaven I'm going to go to Paul and I want to talk to him about something really I doubt that's going to be the thing that you would talk about I think when we're standing in the presence of God reality's going to finally sink in and I'm just saying, if we, if we were granted that access right now where, where, where you could literally touch, smell, feel, touch, all this God's presence, literally walk through the door, come into His presence, what would, you, what would you pray about? What would you ask Him for? What would you say to Him? Would it be something that has no eternal significance? Would it be something that sometimes that's what our prayers dwell on, where we kind of talk about things that's just like, really? Or would it be this... This outflowing where you're coming in fearlessly into the presence of God and you're saying, wow, God, <laughs> Father, can we talk? Paul says we have that access now. We literally have that access now through Jesus Christ. And because we have that access, we are heard. We're heard. Some of us in here this morning are very defeated because we feel like that we're not heard some of you in here this morning are in relationships with your spouses where you feel like you're not heard. And it hurts you. Some of us are in situations where we feel like we're not heard and it's, 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 it, it may, it, it's not only frustrating, but it's emotionally depleting. I'm not heard. We feel devalued. We feel like no one cares. Because we're in Jesus Christ, Paul's saying, we are heard. Listen to what Ephesians says. What, what he says in, again in chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. He says, Now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's saying, now to Him who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine, it's because of His power within us, it's because of Jesus Christ that we are heard by the Father. We are heard. So when we read Ephesians, as the worship team comes back and we close here with, with one last song, as you read Ephesians, as we spend more time in this whole series called I Am Blessed, does it resonate with you? The blessings that come from our position in Jesus Christ? Are you grabbing a hold of that? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to just truly grab a hold of you to understand that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of His, as a child of His, this is what I've been giving. This is what I've been granted. This is who I am. This is my identity in Him. And because of my identity in Him, I can approach Him with boldness. I don't have to be afraid. I can come right into His presence through the blood of Jesus Christ and literally present myself and be heard literally offering my prayers to Him. Here's what I'm saying, guys. When we truly stop and think about this, doesn't this really change the content or the nature of our prayers? For some of us, it may. There are some of us in here this morning that you've caught this years ago and that on your spiritual journey you grabbed this, you understood this, you've been growing through this, you've been maturing, and you get this and you celebrate this on a daily basis because you truly understand it and you embody it and it's part of your spiritual walk. For some of us in here, this might be the first time we've ever truly heard this. Oh, we've heard it. But today might be the first day we truly hear it and we embrace it. And we understand this is my position in Jesus Christ. For some of us, as we look at this, we think, wow, this literally transforms my prayers. This literally gives direction and new shape of my prayer. Because I believe when we truly grab a hold of this truth, it just radically transforms how we communicate with God. The access that we have for Him. And, and as we spend time with Him, as we dwell with Him, as we are in rhythm with Him as one of His children in Him, He gives us the desires of our hearts which are His. And so we see this outpouring of something that is so grand because of our relationship with Him. As we close with this last song, I, I, would you lean into the words? It talks about ridding ourselves coming on our knees and saying, this isn't about me. This is about you, Jesus. It starts with you and it ends with you. It's about you having your glory. I think if we could truly just grab that one thing in our spiritual walks where we understood that all of this, everything we do, everything about us, every breath we take, everything, the essence of everything is about Jesus having His glory. If we could truly embrace that, I believe our lives would just transform. Because it's all about Him. We've been saved. We've been given gifts. We've been created to do good works, to bring Him glory. May this song be a song where we just use it as a prayer. And just maybe, maybe today's a day where we really need to empty ourselves. Where reflecting a little bit, we can see that, you know what? My life is, is about me. A lot of things I do is about me. 
It's about my pleasures. It's about my desires. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you've gotten this and you've, you, you run you on a daily basis. You're emptying yourself. I pray that you would just pray for others that may be struggling with this this morning. And know that God's a huge God, that He's a loving God, wanting to, for us to just return to Him once again and be the person that He's created us to be. Would you stand as we close with a word of prayer and one last song? Father, we thank You so much for these truths that we are learning throughout Ephesians once again. Some of us, we've heard these over and over and over again. For some of us, it's taking new shape and new form. For some of us, it's finally sinking in. We're starting to taste it. We're starting to, to see and, and embrace this, this, this reality that you say is there and the, this life that you offer us. And for some of us, it's, it, it's the first time we're starting to really grab a hold of it. For others, we've been living it for a long time and we continue to keep ourselves empty before you. And so, Father, I know that there are all... We're, we're all over this continuum here this morning. And I just pray for your spirit to have freedom. I pray that he would find freedom right now in this room. I pray that where surrender needs to be done, Father, that we would have the courage to empty ourselves and to surrender to you. Father, I pray for... I pray that we would become people like Paul that just... We understood our we under we grasped this understanding of our position that we would be able to have these prayers that would just be so other centered so that they might come to know you, so that you might receive more glory. So Father, I just pray that you again have your have your time here today. I pray that you would find freedom. May you find glory, and may you be pleased in all that we have done and said here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.